Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, today's hypothetical question is, well, not really hypothetical. It's just like a straight-up content question. Are you into Harry Potter? Were you a Harry Potter guy? So I have actually seen every Harry Potter movie. I have not read the books, but mm-hmm. um, but my son is has read all of the books and is into it. And two summers ago, I think, I watched every one of them. And I liked it. It's not – I'm not like – Super into it, but I can you know hold a little bit of a discussion about it. It's a lot more than a a lot more than most things. That's for sure. <laughs> have you like? I mean, we have basically nothing but time. Are you like a book person? Do you like no, reading? No, I'm a I'm a very visual person. I I like I like learning. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's just it's more documentaries and things like that than than books. I have I have a child's attention span sometimes when it comes to stuff like that. So, are you a book guy? You. Uh, depends on the book. I'm actually more of an audiobook yeah, guy. Yeah, I like audiobooks, yeah. Um, and actually, the, the Harry Potter audiobooks, like, if you guys ever get a chance to check them out, I think they're on um, Audioboom. Uh, but if you ever get a chance to check them out, Jim Dale has won, like, multiple awards for him. The guy who does all the voices. He does all the voices across all of them. Uh, it's just, like, the one guy. It's pretty incredible, the the performance that he puts in. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was just thinking because, you know, my wife and I, uh, for dinner tonight, she, like, specifically asked if we could watch a Harry Potter oh, nice. movie. And that's a lot longer than a like dinner, though. Movies? That's a... That's an evening, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's still watching sure, the movie. I was say. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, the, the movies, it's tough. I don't want to say they get a bad rap because I think some of the criticism is actually fair. I actually, Harry Potter came along, I think, or like they, they converted into movies probably, probably five or ten years too early. Mm. Uh, because had they waited, it would have been turned into a TV show instead. And you can develop the characters Harry Potter, a little more, right? Yeah, like Harry Potter as a TV show would have been just out of the out of this world. There's so many incredible. directions you can go in with it, right? Like that, it could have been seasons and yeah. seasons and seasons worth. I totally see what you mean by that. Yeah, it would have been I, I, any whatever network that would have decided to go in that direction. Because remember, like at that time. It was like the early two thousands that they that they went. I think that the first movie was made in, and uh, like the idea of you know turning this cult classic basically you know as in in the moment into a movie. I think even uh, Warner Brothers was kind of iffy about it, and they didn't really fully commit to it until they saw that people were going out to these movies in droves. Which you know it sucks. It took two movies to actually fully commit to it. And the movies, I think, kind of suffered as a result. And then the the text is so rich that you know converting essentially thousands of pages to of of writing into, I think at the total runtime is maybe sixteen hours. You know, seventeen hours of 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 content. There's just yeah. no way to do yeah. that. No way. Uh, today's show, we are going to talk about the Lakers. There was actually some Lakers news here about the way that they are handling this hiatus that the NBA is on. Uh, They are handling it apparently better than, you know, say, the Jazz, right? Uh, 
whose uh, owners decided to, to, I believe they laid some people off. Uh, the Lakers went in the opposite direction. This is from Dave McMenamin and ESPN. Uh, Shams Karania first broke the story, uh, but this is from Dave. In an attempt to shield lesser income employees from being asked to take a pay cut during the uncertain economic times caused by the corona, uh, coronavirus pandemic, the Los Angeles Lakers plan to ask the team's top brass to make a monetary sacrifice league sources confirmed to ESPN. Lakers ownership, after consulting with the franchise's financial advisors, will select members of its senior-level personnel to voluntarily defer 20% of their uh, salaries, again, sources told ESPN. Uh, look, in an, I, I think without getting too deep into politics right now, this, I think, as an era, is probably going to be defined by how loudly people point out the wage gap. And, uh, and you know, how some work to protect it and some work to break it down. In, in an era like this where that's going on, it's really cool to see this team that, like, we just talked for basically 30, 35, whatever length of time yesterday's show was. We talked about how much we love that this team and uh, how Chick Hearn kind of represented that for us. It's cool to see a team that we love make this kind of effort given the direction that some other teams have gone. Yeah, it's in. the whole Lakers are a family thing, right? And um th- yeah. this plays very much into that. And the first steps I like the future's so uncertain that we don't know what's coming and what you know, there may be some very difficult business decisions that have to be made as a result of depending on how long this this continues. The first steps, however, mm-hmm. should always be the people like <laughs> Like, if Scrooge McDuck has to make make a little less money for a little while, or God forbid, yeah. loses a little bit of his net worth, because... Well, that's uh, the thing. Like, that's that's the thing that pisses me off. I'm no, sorry to no, cut you go off. Ahead. But, but, but when we talk about, like, the Scrooge McDucks of this world, right, it's not that they are taking a loss. It's that they're concerned they aren't going to make as much revenue in the sure, meantime. Or, or even if... <laughs> Even if they are, because there are so many games being lost that, that this, you yeah. know, I, I get it. Um, if you're taking, like, you can survive it. This is something, this is basic humanity. We have to, these are yeah. unprecedented times. The world has never stopped before the way that it has right now. And in order for all of this to work, and, and we can get into the, you know, wage gap and all, and all of that in normal circumstances. But right now, the we, we people need to be able to pay their rent. People need to be able yeah. to survive. People need to be able to, and we need to, as a society and as a humanity, take care of as many people as possible. We're going to get back on track. It's going to be hard. But right now, we need the people who can still survive to be able to and, and go on with this. Lord knows they still own NBA franchises and all sorts of, you know, yeah. the Lakers don't, but all sorts of things outside of uh, of the NBA that those are exactly the first people that need to be sacrificing. And if we get to that point where others need to sacrifice more and more, I mean, no, but it's still going to need to be them, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like this is basic, like life or death type of stuff to the types of people that they're trying to keep employed by taking. And now it's a, it's a deference, which means that when things get back to normal, it's, or at some later date, they would be able to recoup that money. So it's just putting, putting off, but Hey, that's fine. If those are the steps that need to be taken, just 
dude, I'm perfectly fine with don't that. Don't hurt the working man and woman uh, it, during this period of yeah. time. Let's get through this. Let's get on the other side of the inflection point, which is when, you know, the the cases and, and deaths from, from this, uh, when they peak and it's, it'll go back down. Um, and, and we may have a we may have a second wave and all of that. It's, it's very complicated, very uncertain future. But the first steps are people like Ginny Bus and the Bus family taking those steps, and they have less outside revenue than anybody else does. So I'm really that's what makes this so fascinating to me. It's just that, yeah. like this is now. Look, I, I was asked this before we went on the air, and I believe this to be true that the Bus siblings. You know, especially like Jeannie, for example, gets paid a salary for being CEO of the Lakers or whatever it is, whatever her title is. And that is a salary that comes separate of the revenue that the Lakers generate. And I'm sure there's a bonus structure that is in place that the Board of Governors of the Lakers have approved. And and there are other steps to to further, you know, make sure that Jeannie and her family, uh, you know, fully... Uh, benefit from the growth and continued growth and prosperity of the Lakers, of the team that their dad owned. Uh, the fact, though, that Jeannie, like it isn't, Jeannie doesn't have Microsoft to lean back mm-hmm. on, right? Jeannie doesn't, now, like Tillman Fertitta, he's in he's in some hot water right now because the restaurant, uh, the restaurant industry has taken a dive or whatever. Uh, the guy who, own, Mickey Arison, who owns the Heat, right, is in some similar hot water because the cruise industry has taken a dive. But at the end of the day, those guys, both of like Ar- uh, Arison and Fertitta, they're going to be taken care of. Right, they're they're going to so like the the nature of their sacrifice isn't the same no, as like it's not even somebody who like, sells popcorn no. and and has no income whatsoever during this time, right? Uh, the, the you know the people who are at the bottom of this who help make all these people the amount of insane profits that they generate from the teams that they own those are the people who are going to feel this the worst that's how all of these things go and to see the Lakers take care of those people first and foremost because that was a the thing they worked with the Clippers and they worked with the Kings to put together that trust that made sure that all of the people that work with Staples Center all of their game and event staff were taking taken care of through this and then you know that was the initial step and then now that we've seen that you know this thing extend to beyond what that initial step was going to cover they are now taking a further step right to continue to help people right and 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 again like it's just it's just cool to and and i'm as hard as anybody on 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 the lakers i will point out their flaws when when they come out but in this situation it seems right now as if they have done the right thing now two times over to take care of the people that make the lakers the lakers yeah that's absolutely the case man i'm proud I, the, the lakers consistently make me proud and uh and and this is another example of that yep all right, let's uh, let's take a quick second here, uh, segue awkwardly over to what we were going to talk about, uh, what we had planned on talking about. We're going to do the next kind of matchup in this bracket that we have set up. This is going to be between the 2010 Lakers, that's the favorite in this thing, and the 1998 Lakers, uh, which weren't nominated initially, but I had to nominate an extra team to make it 16. This was the team I went with, the direction I went with, uh, so we'll see where this conversation takes us. 
Today's episode of the Locked On Lakers podcast is brought to you in part by MyBookie. Sports have come to a screeching halt with basketball benched and pitchers off the mound, but our friends at MyBookie aren't going to let it get you down. Stay sane and entertained with access to your favorite games like Blackjack, Roulette, Slots, War, and more. It doesn't matter whether you're out on the front lines or quarantined at home, the fun doesn't have to stop thanks to MyBookie. Video poker not your thing but still need a fix? They've got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right, they have professional dealers at their tables live on site 24-7. Your favorite squad sideline because of the pandemic? Don't even sweat it. MyBookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight from the court in NBA 2K. Plus, you can always do your part to make your bankroll great again by taking advantage of the shifting odds on political bets. You can trust the industry leaders in times like this. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. Visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to receive a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit and you can claim the extra funds all the way up to $750. Again, Promo code is locked on NBA to activate this offer. That's promo code locked on NBA. You spend, you win, you get paid. All right, so let's start with the 1997-1998 Lakers. John Barry was on that team. How about that? Uh, John Barry, if I remember correctly, he had uh, like a, a just. The kind of haircut that actually a lot of people try to pull off right now, like the hard part over, just like looked straight up Point Dexter-ish. Uh, they had a a they had Sean Rooks on their team. Rest in uh, peace. Obviously, Eldon Campbell. Yep, uh, Eldon Campbell was on the team. Corey Blunt was on the team. Uh, but the 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 highlight of this roster were the four All Stars. Yep. Right, you had Shaq, you had Kobe, then you had Eddie Jones, and you had Nick Van Exel. Uh, that's a pretty insane. I can't imagine there have been very many. I think there's probably only about ten or so teams that have ever gotten four players to a and and, and ten. Yeah, might it might be five. I, I remember at the time they were either yeah. the first or second to ever do it. Like I remember it was a big deal yeah. that year when they they got to that point. Yeah, it's insane when you think about it. The 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 all star roster is only about ten players. Uh, it's right? 12, 12, twelve players yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have <laughs> they have a third of the roster. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where the there was an awesome there was an awesome uh, point where all four guys were on the court at the same time, where that was super fun. Yeah. It was like I forget who the fifth guy was. But it was like four Lakers and Sean Kemp or something like that, right? And it was just like <laughs> super cool to see all our guys out there. What do you remember of this team though? Like, what, 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 looking back, like, do you look at it as like, hey, that was a really fun team, or do you look at it as like, hey, they were a four, they had four all stars, bit of a they were a fun team that was a bit of a roller coaster, and they were a stepping stone to what the Lakers would be a couple of years later. Um, so mm-hmm. yes, they had the four all stars. Both Kobe and Nick Van Exel had much better first halves of the season than second halves of the season. Uh, Van Exel had some knee injuries and was actually, despite being an all-star, he got replaced in the starting lineup by Derek Fisher at the end of 98. Mm-hmm. And Lakers went on like, they were like 26-7 and seven in their last 
33 games, you know, after making those changes. Kobe really fell off. I, you know, I, I recently watched this season uh, for, for Peace for the Athletic, and so uh, Kobe very much looked like a guy who was not used to playing that many games because he had come out of high school, mm-hmm. played like 15 minutes a game for his rookie season. Uh, he he was the legit sixth man on that team. And for a good portion mm-hmm. of the year, he was the front runner for sixth man of the year. Um, and after the All-Star break, he, he fell off quite a bit. And then, so yeah, they went into the playoffs on a hot streak, but two of their All-Stars were not the guys that they had been. Uh, they, they won in the first round, I, and then I think they lost to Utah in the second round. I'm sorry for not having their conference finals. They lost to they lost to Utah. No, so they, they beat, they beat uh, they, let's see, they beat the Trailblazers in the uh, first round. Beat the Supersonics in right, the second so the round, finals. lost to the Jazz in the Western Conference, Conference Finals. They got, got swept. swept, right. Um, Famously, Kobe airballed those. So, no, those that was the year before. So jumpers. that was the 90, that was the 97 was playoffs. He oh, was, was a rookie, rookie when he airballed those, right. Uh, and so, but Man. he was not good in those playoffs, and that was the first time, he was that not. was the first time where you saw some of the Shaq and Kobe friction. So uh, I remember yeah. Shaq made some comments about like, you got dudes out here thinking they're Rex Chapman. And uh, for the younger generation knows of Rex Chapman as having the best Twitter account ever. But Rex Chapman was a gunner. He could play too. Mm-hmm. And he had some hops uh, and he would just shoot the wildest shots. And so Kobe was doing that while a very unamused Shaq was you know, not happy about that, and those were kind of the first, yeah. the first signs of that. So it was a really good season. Um, I'm sorry, one more thing, Anthony. They, uh, yeah, they replaced Eldon Campbell in the starting lineup with Robert Ory and uh, Rick Fox. <laughs> At one point, they <laughs> talk about a different era. Eldon Campbell and Shaq. Yes, your absolutely. <laughs> you, know, you needed a big man at the four, right? That was the thought. And so, yeah, yeah Ori replaced him, and they actually signed Rick Fox that offseason. And Rick Fox became their starting mm-hmm. three. And you had a lot better spacing around, because Kobe was coming off the bench. Despite the All-Star appearance, he got yeah. voted into the All-Star game by the fans, because we're crazy. And, uh-huh. uh, and, and so, yeah, it was basically four guys who could shoot threes, even though Ori was terrible from three that year. Um, he still provided a perimeter threat. Uh, you had four guys who could shoot threes around the most dominant big in the game. Not too far away from the type of basketball that we see today so that was all of that was like a nice stepping stone and the utilization of Ori and the understanding of that he was a four and not the three that he had played a lot of in in Houston prior to that um all of that the the real fruit of that came a couple of years later but it was a fun up and down the year they won 61 games but yeah they had still had some things to figure out great Eddie Jones season mm-hmm. Really fun, Eddie Jones. He scored like seventeen, looks like seventeen points a game. He shot thirty, like thirty nine percent from three point mm-hmm. range. Eddie could play, man. Uh, I need to make an Eddie video. I uh, loved Eddie, dude. Eddie, no. Well, that the reason I'm saying all this is just because like a lot of people think like Eddie Jones was just kind of the stepping stone to to Kobe, and no, no, Eddie was good. Man. <laughs> no, he had a really good career after he left the mm-hmm. Lakers too. Like he was really, really, really good for a really long time. I'll always remember Eddie Jones. He had this dunk where he would go baseline and somehow jump from behind the backboard and be able to mm-hmm. dunk it like on, on that same side. Usually, like, you would think like if you're gonna mm-hmm. dunk from behind the backboard, you're gonna keep going and dunk on the other mm-hmm. side of the rim. But he figured out a way to dunk on the same side of the rim, and I kept on wondering like. 
A, how isn't he hitting his head? How is he not, like, breaking his ankle on, like, the amount of torque that it takes to go that, like, to jump at that angle and all mm-hmm. that stuff? Uh, but, yeah, Eddie Jones, he's, he's, like, to this day, like, that whole team, uh, this was after Anthony Peeler's mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, which, like, that was, he's kind of, like, my favorite Colt sure. Laker. Uh, but, but you know, Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, a uh, young Kobe Bryant, and, like, a, a Kobe that, like, he got voted into the All-Star game, like you said, because he was insane. But, like, the, the flashes that he oh, would yeah. show, even while, because, like, you look at the actual year, especially in the playoffs, he was just, like, straight up bad mm-hmm. in the playoffs. But, like, you look at the the flashes that he showed was, like, oh, with like, I, how can we get this guy more yeah, minutes? He, How, yes. like, is there is there mm-hmm. any way whatsoever that we can get this kid more minutes? Uh, and it just so happened that the only way that the Lakers thought that they could was to get rid yeah, of Eddie. Eddie the, the Eddie trade was, I think, the following year, right, where they got Glenn Rice. Yeah. But that was a weird year. We had Rodman uh, for, like, 30 games or something. Mm-hmm. It was just a strange season. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Eddie eventually had to go, although mm, – it's probably better that we kept Rick Fox and Kobe. I would have loved to see Eddie and Kobe start together. Um, I don't know if that was yeah. plausible. And I, Eddie was too slight of frame. Right. And Kobe was too young, making him Kobe, slight of frame too, right? So in right, that right, era, right. playing the three regard, you, you, hell, Jerome Kersey was our starting small forward the year before. He'd be like he's like PJ Tucker build, right? He'd be a small ball five right. in today's game, for, right? At least in backup <laughs> units. Again, Eldon Campbell, Campbell, right? <laughs> What's up? Did totally different game. Starting mm-hmm. spot yeah, forward. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, I, 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 I um, remember right, them fondly. I remember ahead, them fondly. But yeah, they weren't quite weren't quite ready for prime time. I kind of I kind of would have liked to seen that team under a more a more modern circumstance. Like Dell Harris, for the credit that we gave him for like kind of stumbling into this modern starting lineup with spacing and all that. Like he was still Del Harris, <laughs> you know. I would like to see that team, you know, kind of reconstituted right now, uh, under the way that the game is played right now with a more modern coach. And I, you know, like 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 imagine that team with Mike D'Antoni as the sure. coach. Oh yeah, that would have been a ton of fun. Like that'd be a fun ass yes. team. That'd be a really and they were already fun as it was. They were fun despite Del Harris. But like if you had a coach that actually elevated that team, then then I think history might be very different, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, let's take another quick second here. When we come back, we got to talk about the 2010 team. We'll talk about both those teams. And honestly, we'll just see where this conversation takes us. All right. So in terms of your favorite teams of all time, most people talk about. I was surprised the number of people said two thousand one, mm-hmm. right? The 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 fifteen and one team. Uh, I was I was not sur- I was actually surprised that this was a second place team, given like the age of our audience usually mm-hmm. right now. Where where does this team rank for you? So we're talking strictly favorite teams, right? Like not necessarily yeah. best, but just the teams that we enjoy. Favorite. So two thousand ten. Um, all right, so I would 2001 is up there. 87 was mm-hmm. a ton of fun. They were so good. Um, 
You were like twenty that uh, year, right? No, I was I was seven, <laughs> smartass. Uh, but I I loved those teams, and I had VHF, VHS tapes after VHS tapes. That was yeah. a, a dude. I remember I remember going to like the the video place ne- by, down the street from us was Videotron, and they had like Videotron. all the highlight. V- <laughs> That's <Yeah>. great. <laughs> those were the days, baby. Like those were the days. They had the VHS highlight because there was no YouTube, there was yeah, no DVD, yeah. there was no like Amazon or anything like that. Like, I got, I had to choose on a weekly basis. I had to choose like one movie to rent, right? One videotape to rent, and like it got to a point where they just sold us the tape because I, I kept on asking for, uh, you know, there was like I had a rotation of like four or five of them. So there's like a Magic Johnson one. There was a Michael Jordan highlight tape. There was the 87 uh, championship year, which I counted as like the Lakers winning a championship the year I was born. Nice. Right. Because I was born October 86. There you right? go. So yeah. That's the next the, season coming the, up. The, yeah. The, the, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so like there was like, I had this rotation. So finally, like the, the video trauma was like, nobody else is renting these things. Here's like, just give us like 10 bucks and you can have all three of these videos. Uh, but yeah, like that's, we all grew that's, up. That's that awesome, man. Yeah. So that, that 87 team, they, they went 11 and one in the, uh, in the conference finals, or I'm sorry, in the Western Conference, mm-hmm. and then beat the Celtics four to two. So, so any season that <laughs> win that ends in a title against the Celtics is ranked. You get yep. extra credit for that, as the 2010 team does <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. That particular team, the '86 Celtics, is one of the all-time great teams, and they were pretty much the same team. Lakers fucked up in '86 and lost to Houston, I think it was, uh, on that shot that bounced off the back of the yeah. way. That was a bullshit shot. Anyway, um, yep. Yeah. So. That that eighty seven Celtics team that was that was pretty much that series was the Showtime Lakers at their best and the Showtime or and that era's Celtics at their best and the mm-hmm. Lakers won four to two in that series uh, so eighty seven's high up there two thousand uh, two thousand one. Um, favorite teams, 2008 is right up there, even though they didn't win the title. Uh, yeah. That team, that year started, man, with Kobe demanding a trade, and we'd lost in the first was, round yeah. the last two years. Was that your favorite team or your favorite season? What's the difference for the purposes of this discussion? Uh, I don't know. Like, it feels like there should be, though. Right? Like... <sighs> I don't know. I, I guess. I guess to your point, like it would have been really cool had that had that. But that same team basically went on to win a championship the next year, right? And then it became so, kind of this this team, right? Um, yeah. And I have personal reasons for for the 2008 team. I was going through a hard time in life, and they were unexpectedly mm-hmm. fun. And when you're having a hard time in life, and Dude. your favorite team is unexpectedly fun, that helps out a lot, right? Uh, so yeah. I would probably say 2010 is probably fifth or sixth for me, which really tells you how freaking ridiculously spoiled we are. Because <laughs> they might even be behind, like, 94 and 95 were really fun. And I know this is blasphemy. The yeah. Lakers won a title and beat the Celtics. But in terms of, like, favorite teams, yeah, I'd put them ahead of those mid-90s teams. Um 2008 was just a special season for personal reasons. I got no problem if someone else yeah. prefers 2010 for obvious reasons. Yeah, they're probably fifth or sixth for me. How about you? Yeah, I, they're they're jeez. Let's see. 2009 was the year that they beat the Celtics on Christmas, and that was so. Jen took me to that. That was basically like we said that was each other's birthday gift. 
So that was like one of those singular moments that you kind of look back on. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to marry this girl. So the 2009 team, actually, I hold in a bit higher regard because they won the championship in the year that I was like trying to convince Jen that I wasn't a complete loser. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the and then the very next year, so I'm trying to convince Jen to like buy into the Lakers, right? Like just like every guy does or every girl does with with their significant other in the team that they find very, you know, special or movie or whatever content that they find really special. They want the other person to enjoy that stuff too. So for me that was the Lakers and I was trying to convince Jen, like, no no no, the Lakers are really, really special and also, by the way, they're really effing good right now. Right? And uh so, you know, they win the championship in 2009, and I remember, let's see, so Jen and I started dating in 2004, so 2008 was the year that they lost to the Celtics, and Jen was just, like, beside herself, because I had gotten her finally to kind of start buying in, then the next year we went to the Celtics game, and then the following year, the Lakers go out, and they beat the Celtics in the championship, so, like, I hold, it's like 2009, 2010 is 1A, 1B to me. Um, in terms of like my favorite teams of all time, uh, I do got to say like members on this roster, Adam Morrison was on this team, uh, which was always fun watching him celebrate alongside everybody. NBA champion Adam That's Adam right. Morrison is a good one. DJ Mbenga was on this team, which uh, the reason I bring him up is because uh, they asked Lamar Odom like, "All right, give us a few nicknames across the roster." <laughs> and, uh, Odom said that DJ's uh, nickname was DJ and banged on because of the amount <laughs> of time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shannon Brown was on this team. I always loved like Shannon Brown just dunking on everybody merciless, mercilessly. Sasha Vujicic, I think, hit two of the like the big ballsiest big balls free throws in the history of the sport. Uh, those two, like he walks in just stone cold. Walks in, ices those free throws, ices the game basically in Game Seven, uh, and again, like they they beat the Celtics in the in a Game Seven, uh, and and helped solidify the fact that that Big Three era was a bit overrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, absolutely. Uh, so so I'll always love these Lakers uh, for for providing everybody because they're pretty annoying. The, the the Big Three era Celtics are annoying enough as is could you imagine had they won like Dude. two championships or three there, like we, we would there would be no other voices in content the, the lakers it. did everybody a real service they did I, i'm so i'm breaking down this series right now for the athletic and yeah i i don't think the lakers were more talented than that team i i know that sounds hmm. like garnett was one of the best players of his generation an all-time great, mm-hmm. one of very underrated player, I think. In because he was so man, that dude could do everything. Kevin Garnett was so good. Yeah, and then both Pierce and Allen were all stars like every single year, you know. Yeah. And then you had Hall you had teams. Rondo who, back when he was really really good in an era where his type of player could be really really good. You had. Tony Allen was the best perimeter defender in the NBA for a long time. You had mm-hmm. freaking Rashid Wallace, even though he was older, just, you know, as a pick and pop. Played out of his mind in game he was, seven. He was so good against the Lakers. He was a Laker killer his his whole whole career. Yeah. Um, you just had these roster. That roster was really, really solid, like eight deep. And you had a superstar in Garnett next to uh, – 
you know, two perennial all-stars. They were more talented than we are. The fact that the Lakers beat them was a huge accomplishment, man, and it spoke to the will and determination of that team to and 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 focus and and just they would not be denied. I think that, you know, all things being equal, I think that that Celtics team was more talented than the Lakers were. And, yeah, yeah, that that makes the victory over them even sweeter. And thank freaking God, because you're absolutely absolutely right. They would be freaking insufferable. They already are. But, God, if if you could imagine uh, if you could imagine them uh, winning two or three. Good Lord. Well, like now we basically get to tell the Celtics, like, hey, guys, shut up. You only won one. But, like, had they won, you know, two or three championships during that era, we wouldn't be able to say that. We'd have to just eat it whenever they say anything, basically. So so thank God for those uh, Lakers for that. I agree with you, but I do think the Lakers that year were pretty insanely good, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. They won the title. Yeah, yeah. You had, like, you know, Kobe, which to me, this was my favorite iteration of Kobe, was the, the, the two, you know, that stretch, the 2008 to 2010 version of Kobe. Uh, Bynum hadn't completely fallen off a cliff yet, mm-hmm. uh, even though he was, you know, somewhat hobbled because of, you know, back to back tough knee injuries. Uh, you Obviously, Pow, who also a Hall of Famer. Uh, and I think we'll go down as one of the more underrated players in the history of basketball. Odom, in a role, in a role basically that like he was born to be in. Like it's not just it's not just that like the fit with him and Powell was really really fun, but also the Lakers didn't like on any given night he could be anywhere from the Lakers' best player on on some random night to their fifth best player, and the Lakers were fine with expecting that of him. And, like, that allowed him, I think, to be the best version of Lamar. Uh, you had Meadow, who, you know, they just replayed Game 7 over the weekend. And oh, he was great in that game. Like, yeah. the, La- the Lakers don't win that game without he was Meadow. The, he was the and, best Laker like, in that game. he was born to play that I, game. It's kind of a controversial yeah. opinion because a lot of people view it as pow, but I actually think Meadow was the best player in that game. Yeah, well, and I, I also thought, like, at the beginning of that series, so remember back in 2008 when they lost to the Celtics, the Lakers had Trevor Ariza. He was a hobbled Trevor Ariza, right? He wasn't, he had missed a significant chunk of the year to a broken foot. And then he came back, and, and actually the best player on Pierce, in my opinion, at, you know, just watching it as it was happening, was actually Walton. Like, the, he, I thought he played the best defense on, on Pierce, which says a lot about how bad I thought yeah. Ariza was mm-hmm. on him. Um, I, I guess Kobe probably probably played pretty good. Like when he and, had and Ariza to whatever, had been but, hurt, man. Like Ariza had would yeah. rush back from injury. He no, Ariza. he wasn't the guy that he, he usually was. And we saw Ariza like what Ariza could be the following year when the Lakers won right. a championship. Um, but I don't think the Lakers win in 2010 that game seven if it's Ariza and not Artest. Totally like. Artest starts that series. Remember, right at the beginning of the series, he uh-huh. got into Pierce's face, and and they got like a double technical. Like, yeah, there was a takedown, right? Like he five, tackled him. <laughs> yeah, like five seconds into the championship series against the Celtics, and and actually, I took that as it happened. Like, oh shit, because we grew up with. Uh, Fisher knocking out Scola, right? We oh, saw right. how that changed that series, and and then we saw I saw like I saw Artest kind of stand up and do that 
to uh, to Pierce, and I thought that really set a tone. And you know, you fast forward to Game Seven, and and he was, I thought, the the best equipped for the the street the street fight, the dog fight that that game became, right? So I, you know, and then you you know you had you had really important uh, role players like Derek Fisher, who I thought was was really good, and then the the the, the roster kind of yeah. falls off, right? Because then you go to the Sasha's, the the Luke Walton's, Josh Powell. You know, Jordan Farmar, Shannon Brown, like, you know, you just kind of I agree with you that the Celtics were the better overall team. But if like the Celtics were a 10 that year, I think the Lakers were like they were a nine or a nine point five. Like, like, yeah, like a nine. Yeah, I'd say nine. I don't think nine and a half, but I think a a solid. Yeah, man. No, they again, they were that, that Lakers team was a great all time team. Just that Celtics team. They should. They should never. They should, for the rest of their lives, regret that they weren't able to pull that off. Because oh, they definitely do. That's why they talk about it. They do. They're overcompensating. There you go. I, I like that. I'm gonna stick with that version. <laughs> uh, now to you know, I don't want to just straight up compare the two teams, right? And eventually, like I'll put out a poll, and people will be able to vote between the two teams here, but. And obviously, I think the 2010 team probably wipes the floor with the 98 team. But it would be a fun matchup, right? You have Shaq uh, heading into his absolute prime, right? You have the Nick Van Exel-Eddie Jones combo, which I think Kobe, and Kobe, you know, obviously completely outshines Eddie. But Nick Van Exel, the Lakers never in my lifetime have enjoyed guarding Nick Van Exel type point guards. So that would have been fun to watch. Uh, but overall, I think 2010 beats 98 pretty easily. Uh, so I don't want to go in a basketball sense, but when you kind of, when you compare your memories of the, of the two teams, right. You know, I don't want to say like, which team do you hold in, in higher or fonder memory, but but like when when you like when you're sitting when you're bouncing your your grandchild on your knee, it's pretty easily the 2010 Lakers that you're gonna say like yeah I got to I got to watch Kobe win his fifth and final championship, uh, even while we got to see like what Kobe could possibly become back in 97 98. But see him actually attain that greatness is is what I'll always kind of look at for it for sure. Way. And you're talking about teams at different points of kind of a development arc. We think of development as being yeah. just something for players, but I do think teams and cores develop together, right? Yeah. And that 2000, that three-peat team doesn't happen without the experiences that they went through of getting swept by Utah twice, and they got swept by the Spurs in the playoffs the yeah. next year. Um, that 2010 team had gone through that, right? They'd, they had been... They had been beaten by that same Celtics team two years earlier, had won a title the year before, and then when the Celtics were healthy, they were able to overcome that. But that 2010 team was so much more experienced and physical. Like, if they played in a series, despite Shaq being, you know, the biggest monster of all time from a physicality standpoint, yeah. everywhere else the Lakers have a huge physicality advantage that I don't think that the 98 team would be able to overcome and yeah you're just talking about two different teams at two different points of of their stories um but i i will i, I do remember the 98 team fondly but no comparison to 2010 yeah that shack against bynum would feel like a damn 
Transformers right, movie. Right, just clashing and yeah. Like, just like the Pacific Rim, just like <laughs> giant people. Yeah. <laughs> like, in, and actually, like, in somewhat similar stages of their career, right? Obviously, Shaq was further into his prime and was heading towards a higher ceiling than Bynum would and obviously have the ever have too, right? Bynum was always dealing with those injuries. Yeah. But, but just like the collisions that you yeah. would see between Shaq and that'd Bynum. be fun. Yeah. Holy shit, that that'd be incredible. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode of the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'll attach to a, I'll, I'll you know, whatever tweet I send out for this, I'll I'll send out a poll that where you guys can vote on which team you prefer. You know, I don't I don't want to get into like which team we think would win because I think that's. I don't know. I think it's too simple. And we're comparing generations, and it's just not a very fun conversation there. And in this case, like, there's an objective winner. So there's no conversation to to come out of that. But, like, share your fondest 97, 98 memories or 2009, 2010 memories, whatever it might be. And uh, and as always, screw Paul Pierce. Have uh, Have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.